thank you so much for joining the Faith Chapel podcast. Wherever you may be joining us from, we hope that you know that you are loved and that this message encourages you throughout your week. But I wanted to start today off by asking you a very serious question in my mind. Very serious question. How many people here today are Pepsi people? I'm one of you, amen, Pepsi. The choice of the new generation, next generation, and the only generation that knows Jesus. I think that's how the commercial goes, if I'm not mistaken. Now let me see about the rest of you. How many of you are Coke people? Wow, we're about 50-50. It was really bad in the first service. Coke people, once again, you are out there and you're... Let me hear you. Pepsi people, one more time. All right, all right. This is truly my church, amen. I am a Pepsi person, and uh, I love Pepsi, but I don't drink it much anymore. But you know, if you go to a restaurant and they don't have Pepsi, Coke will work, right? And if you're a Coke person and they don't have Coke, and Pepsi will be okay for most of us. Because what really is happening in that moment is this. We'll, we'll settle for one or the other if we have to. You're on a plane, we, we're, we went on a plane, we went to India, and it's halfway literally around the world, and guess what, they only had Coke product, I'm gonna drink Coke, because that's all they have. But I prefer Pepsi. What are we saying? What, I'm, what we're saying is, is in that moment, it's about a preference. See, it's not right or wrong, is it? I mean, it's not right that I like Pepsi and you like Coke. It's not right. It doesn't make one of us right or one of us wrong. It's really about a preference. That we just have a preference in our life that one of us likes this and one of us likes the other. That we just have a preference. And by the way, that's okay. We like choice, don't we? We like choice. We like to have preference in our life where we can choose something over something else. And it doesn't mean the other choices aren't equally as good. It just means we prefer the other. Well, can I give you... An example from God's own heart, God has a preference for you. It is not as mundane or it's not as simplistic as, do you like Pepsi or Coke? In fact, his preference is way more important than that. He has a preference and his preference is this, is that you, is that you know him. And not only that you know him, but you know him personally. And that you know that that he desires to forgive you of any wrongdoing or any sin or anything that could be happening in your life. He doesn't want you, in other words, to walk around with the weight of guilt and shame and sin in your life. And there's so many people in our world today that they walk around with that weight upon them. They walk around and when they feel the weight of the shame of their life or past decisions, they feel the weight of the, of the, and the anxiety of the sin that they carry around with them. And Jesus said, I don't want you to live that way. I prefer you not to live that way. You can choose to live that way just like you can choose one of these two. You can choose to live that way the rest of your life if you want. If you want that kind of miserable existence, if you want to know that on the outside you're smiling, but you want to really tell everybody on the inside you're not. God's preference is for you to have life and life more abundantly. He says, I want you to have a life, Jesus said, and life to the full. You don't have to wait till you get to heaven. You can have life to the full now and you can come out from under that that weight of sin. You can come out from under that weight of shame and guilt and, and you can begin to actually walk in victory. You can understand what it's like to receive God's full forgiveness. 
and be free. How many know that sounds pretty good this morning, doesn't it? And that's what God desires. In fact, that's the God I want you to know this morning. And there was a guy then in scripture that understood this kind of God and this kind of forgiveness all too well. And his name was Saul of Tarsus. He was born in Tarsus about five years old in 5 AD. I mean, he was born in 5 AD. He wasn't five years old when he was born. He's born in 5 AD and he, and he, at 10 years, at age 10, he moved to Jerusalem with his family from modern day Turkey into Jerusalem. And he, and he, stundered, he studied under Rabbi Gamaliel and he was one of the, considered one of the greatest rabbis, one of the greatest teachers, one of the most smartest men on the entire planet. He went there to study the law and the Torah. He went there to study under the Jewish way and, and he grew up despising Christians in the church. When you see Saul of Tarsus, he's present at the trial of Stephen, the trial that resulted in Stephen becoming the first Christian martyr, Acts chapter seven, verse 54. The historian Luke tells us that Stephen's executors laid their garments at Saul's feet, who was in full approval of the mob's murderous act and act in actions that day with Stephen in Acts chapter eight, verse one. Saul later ravaged the church. He would enter into the homes of believers. He would take out men, women, and even children, which was not, which was even kind of forbidden in that culture. And he would take them off to be persecuted or at least to go through some type of persecution because only because they were Christians. Ravaged their homes, committing them to prison. Paul was self-described as a Hebrew of Hebrews, an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham. He was a Pharisee from the tribe of Benjamin. I mean, he was everything there was Jewish that was anti-Christian in that day. But there was a moment on the road to Damascus that changed his life forever. There was a moment on the road to Damascus when he was going to Damascus to find some other Christians, to bring them back, to imprison them, to persecute them. There was a moment where he had a name change because he had a heart change. It was in that moment that he experienced the fullness of God's forgiveness for one man who was a murderous persecutor of Christians in that one moment became from, went from Saul to becoming Paul, the apostle. And it's because he met Jesus. For those of you that know the story, he was knocked off his horse, he was blinded for a few days and Jesus himself spoke to him it might be one of the greatest conversion stories in all the Bible. And Jesus spoke to him and said, why do you persecute me? Because why, who am I persecuting? It's me, Jesus, the one who died for you, the one who forgave you. Why don't you come and follow me? And after his eyes were restored and he was able to to go and meet with the church. He began to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and about this forgiveness that exists all throughout the land. He wrote over half of the New Testament. This is what forgiveness does. From Saul to Paul. And in his own words in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, it says, even though I was once a blasphemer, this is his words, and I was a persecutor, and I was a violent man. Anybody else have trouble with your temper? He might not, you might not be violent, but maybe just a temper problem, right? Paul's like, I can identify with you. He goes, I was shown what? I was shown mercy. What, look what it says in verse 15 as he goes on. Here is a trustworthy saying that, I, that deserves full acceptance, meaning 100% believable. You need to accept this. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. 
Because I want you to understand that there's, in this message that now I'm now proclaiming, I, I once was violent, I, I once was a blasphemer, I once was a persecutor. But here's a message that needs full acceptance by everyone that's out there, including you and I today, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Aren't you glad? Well, I know I am. Because I remember the day that I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I remember the day that I sat down and I said, Jesus, I need you. I recognize that I'm lost without you. It didn't matter how good of a person I was or how much I had or what was going on in my world. I needed a savior. And in that moment, on the road to Damascus, Paul recognized he needed a savior. In fact, he was so entrenched in his own sin. He's like, I'm even the worst. John Stott, he has this, he said Paul was so vividly aware of his own sin that he could not conceive that anybody could be even worse than he was. Listen to what Paul goes on to say in verse 16. But for that very reason, what was the reason? The reason that he was a persecutor, I mean, vile, that he was like, that Jesus came and saved sinners, him. But for that very reason, I would say that I was shown mercy so that in me, even the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who believe in him and receive eternal life. Now, I doubt any of you that are in this room today has persecuted the church, gone into churches, pulled Christians out and taken them to prison, been there when Christians have been persecuted even unto death like Paul was with Stephen. So I doubt any of you even can measure up to the worst of sinners kind of comment, which is good news for all of us here today, right? Because we're not that bad. We look at Paul's life, we go, I wasn't that bad. <laughs> I'm not that bad. But we still need Jesus. See, we still need Jesus. He goes, it might display his immense patience. You know what the word immense means there? It means complete. So that we might be able to experience the complete patience See, it serves to take away that there's any doubt in your mind at all, the duration of God's patience. Simply stated is this, there'll be as much of God's patience as needed. As a parent, have you ever run out of patience? <laughs> One honest person sitting over here, amen, she says. All right, anybody? Like you've just had it, like there's just too many questions in that day, right? Too much not disobeying in that day. Just too much, too much going on all the same day and we lose our patience. Can I tell you that your heavenly father, your Abba father, your daddy God will never lose his patience with you. That's what Paul's saying. It is his immense or complete patience that he sets as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. That must be what the Apostle Peter was talking about in this verse when he said, the Lord, go ahead, switch it over if you can. For the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient. He is completely patient. He has enough patience for you to wait on you. And can I just put the pause button here and say, Maybe you're here because you were invited by someone. Maybe you just stumbled in. Maybe you're watching online and just your first time. And, but I bet it wasn't your first time ever. I bet there was a moment maybe growing up that there was a grandmother or a grandfather or a mom or a dad, and maybe they're still praying for you. 
I bet your life is full of moments because my life was full of moments until I was 16 years old and I, didn't, I wasn't raised in church. I didn't have the blessing of being in the house of God every single Sunday. But God continued to bring people into my life and they talked about God's great grace and it finally took when I was 16 years old where I said, I'm going to church and I went all by myself to be in a room just like this. It was God's patience. And by the way, God's been patient with me ever since. How many of you know I'm not perfect? It hurts me when you laugh like that. How many of you know? Here's the good news. You're not either. So I can laugh now with you. And so we all embrace God's great patience. His complete patience. Because he doesn't want any of us to perish, but for everyone to come into what? Repentance. He wants us to make a turn, a shift. Repentance in scripture means a lot of different things, but one of the things it means is a shift of mindset or a turning of our life where we go in a different direction, we think in a different direction, where once our life was about us and what we wanted, but now it's about God and what God wants for our life. Once it was about what we were trying to build, now it's what God is trying to build in our life. But as we've repented and we've given our lives to Christ and we've confessed our sins and we've recognized our lostness and we recognize our depravity and we come to God and we say, Lord, will you please forgive me? And he says, yes. Why? Because he doesn't want any to perish but for all to come into everlasting life. St. Augustine said this way, he said, God does not choose anyone who is worthy. Aren't you glad? Because none of us would be chosen. But instead, by cleansing him, he renders him worthy. Amen. So why am I standing up here instead of you? Because God's worked in my life and has cleansed me, filled, with me, filled me with his spirit. And he said, you're worthy. Not in my own self, not in anything that I can do. There's nothing I can do to merit eternity or to merit heaven, but it's all because of what God has done in my life. And God wants to do the same in your life. There's a God who completely forgives. And now along in your notes, and I hope you're following along, but there's a God, number one, God who forgives out of his character. Let's go to Micah chapter seven and verse 18, for it says, who is like you? Who is like, who is a God like you? It's rhetorical. But Micah's asking this incredibly profound question. And if anyone understands God at all, they know that this, they know that there's no one like God, isn't there? He's like, who is like you, God? Is there anybody like you? Is there another God that's like you? Is there another person that's like you? And the obvious answer is no. Why, what makes God so unique and so powerful? It is he who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance. You do not stay angry forever. That's the patience of God, but delights to show mercy. Just pick up on this right here. Delights to show mercy. Can you just say this word, this one right? He, what, he delights. Let me paint a picture for you real quick to help you with this. The day that I was 16 years old laying in a hospital bed and I said yes to Jesus, God, a big smile came across his face and joy filled his heart as he took delight in showing me mercy that day. If you're a parent or a grandparent, maybe grandparents understand even all the more because 
your grandkids can do absolutely incredible things that you would never tolerate as a parent and you still laugh about it. But if you're a parent and a grandparent and your child is performing, maybe it's musically, maybe it's on a stage or maybe it's athletically and they do something well that makes them stand out, you can't keep that smile from coming across your face, can you? When I talk about my kids, there's a smile that comes across my face. And can I tell you, it's the same way with your heavenly father. When he looks down upon you, and even though that you were steeped in your own trespasses and sin, that moment that you recognize God's forgiveness and ask for his mercy, and he comes in his mercy, that smile comes across God's face, and he has joy that fills his heart. You bring joy to God. Think about that for just a moment that I can delight God's heart, that I can somehow bring joy to God's life. And how do I do it? It's by simply recognizing, Lord, I need you, that I'm a sinner. But I know that your saving grace is for all and your patience has been waiting for me for this moment of decision. And I say yes to you, oh God. And he floods my heart and my soul and he cleanses me from the inside out. He places a robe of righteousness on me, calls me his own child, and I get to walk with God. Why? Because this is part of who God is. It's his character. It's his nature. It's his attribute to forgive. The matchlessness of God's forgiveness is astounding, even to the point of bringing him great joy in his own life. Look at number two. God also forgives completely. Not only is it part of his character, but he forgives completely. Let's go back to Micah and take a look at this verse. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl, he's throwing all of our sins and all of our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Thank you, Lord. When we accepted God's mercy on that day, he took all of our sin and he said, let me just get rid of these for you. And he threw them into the depths of the sea. Now, some of you are going, well, that's a great picture that Micah paints, but it, does the scripture really teach this over and over and over again? Thank you for asking that. I'd like to share some passages. Look at the Psalm chapter 103. It says, as far as the east is from the west. Now, for you math and science people out there, that's a straight line, right? And a straight line goes on how long? Forever. It never ends, right? It just keeps going off the edge of the paper. That's why you put that little Right, that little arrow on it. It keeps going and going. As far as the east is from the west, what happens? So far he removed my transgressions from me. That's awesome. As far as that is from that that goes on forever and ever, that means you can't find them. Like, pastor, are you sure? Because I, I, I think I've picked up a few. Well, let's go on to the next verse. Look what it says. And all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. And in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. That's a place to rejoice right there, church. See, this is the God I want you to know, because so many of you, you think God is a God up there that keeps merits and demerits. And that's why you work and you serve and you're serving for the wrong reason. Love should be your motivation. And we serve out of love, a love for God, a love for others and a love for what God has done in our life. We don't serve so we can get merits so that when we mess up, we've got more merits than we do demerits so that when we stand before God someday, he's like, well, you know what? In your lifetime, you tallied 1,100,000 merits. 
And I hate to tell you this, but you tallied 1,100,001 demerit. That one kept you out. That's how some of you live your lives. You're living it into the condemnation, the guilt, and the shame of sin. When Jesus said, I want you to be free. I want you to have a full life. I want you to enjoy the life that I've given you. I want you to excel while you're here on this planet. I've given you a future and a hope, and that hope will not disappoint you. So why are we walking around so much in disappointment? Because we're shouldering the guilt of sin and shame that's in our life that Jesus came and said that he would not count our trespasses against us. He's already removed them. Come on, somebody, say amen. Look what it goes on to say in the next verse. You have put all of my sins behind your back. Why? Because he can't see them. He can't see behind your back, can you? Now, I know God can see everything all the time. It, it, right? It, it's anthropomorphic. It, it's where God is letting us in on something that makes sense to us. It puts us behind us. We don't have eyes in the back of our head. We can't see this. Look at what it goes on to say. Next verse, it says, I, even I, am he who blots out. God's talking. All, say all, your transgressions for my own sake, and remember your sins no more. No more. No more. There's a pastor in the Philippines, and he was struggling with something that he had done years ago when he was in Bible school and seminary. It was all these many years later, he was still struggling with it. And there was a lady in his church that seemingly had the gift. She said she had the gift of, of dreams. And then when she was in her dreams, she'd be able to talk to God. And as she was talking to God, she would have conversations. So he said, when you talk to her next, would you please, when you talk to God next, would you please ask him what your pastor did years ago that is still hurting and bothering me to this day? She said, I'll do it. A couple of days go by. She had one of those encounters and a couple of weeks go by. They met each other in church and he said, were you able to, to talk with God on my behalf? She said, yes. Did you ask God about about what I had done when I was in school. And she said, yes, I asked him. Eager to hear the response, he stepped in. And he said, what, was, what, what did God say? He said, I don't remember. Come on, somebody. I don't remember. God chooses to what? To remember your sins no more. See, that's the God I hope you know. Because they tell us that, that you will serve the God that's in your mind. In your mind's eye, the God that you have created, the God that you feel like that you've known from a childhood, or a God that you know, the God that you have formed in your own mind, that's the God that you're serving. And I hope that you're serving a God like this. I hope you're serving the God of the Bible that says, I love you, I sent my one and only son to die for you, that I want you to have life and life more abundantly, that I want you to know that I do not remember your sin against you anymore, that is no longer a burden that you have to carry. I carried that burden for you 2,000 years ago when Jesus went to the cross and I set you free that day. And when you will walk in that liberty and you'll walk in that freedom and you'll walk in that life, you will experience the fullness of life right here, right now in this world today. That's what he wants you to know. See, Satan is the accuser of the brethren. We know that. And he speaks into our ear and he tells us all the things that we've ever done. He says, you'll never be able to be in the ministry. You'll never be able to run a business. You'll never be able to have that corporation. You'll never be able to get that job. You're not good enough. You're not strong enough. He's a liar. 
In fact, the Bible says he's the father of all lies. And his job is to constantly speak into our life and to bring lies into us and to tell us what we cannot do. I told the staff today, we don't need oh no people, we need amen people. Not oh no, you can't do that. We need amen, go do it. Right? We need people who will say yes and amen, I'm with you. That I believe that God is with you. That I believe that God is for you. That I believe that you can scale every mountain that, that it comes your way. I believe you can get through any, any desert that might stand in your way. That you can get around anything that's happening. Why? Because God is with you and he's called you. See, the God of the Bible is a God that says, I completely and absolutely forgive you. Let God be true, then every man then a liar. Can we say amen? And then thirdly, God forgives. God's forgiveness required a sacrifice. Oh, for some of you now, here you are. You're like, oh, I knew we'd get to this. I knew it was gonna cost me something. I knew there was something I was gonna have to give up. I knew there was a sacrifice I was gonna have to, I knew, Pastor, you were gonna, all this good stuff couldn't come free. I just knew it. What do you, what, no, what's required? What do I have to do? Again, you don't understand the God of the Bible. You see, the God of the Bible loves you so much, he didn't ask you to sacrifice. He sacrificed for you. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter five. He said, for our sake, he made him to be sin. He, God, made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin. He lived a perfect and sinless life while he was here on this planet. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. I can't do anything to bring the righteousness of God in my life. It's only because Jesus demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's his robe of righteousness that we put on. And can I tell you, you'll never be able to put a robe of righteousness on if you're wearing a blanket. And this is what we all wear. Instead of the robe of righteousness, so many people choose to wear a blanket instead. Now, I don't know about you, but when it's cold in the mornings, it's hard to get out of bed. Huh? I love it when it's cold. I sleep good, but I don't get up good. Anybody with me? Because I'm in this blanket and it is warm. And I mean, as soon as you take that blanket off, like, no, 15 more minutes will not hurt me at all. Right? Like, no, I'm the pastor. I can be five minutes late. It's okay. Like, I don't have to clock. I'm like, it's cold. And I don't like getting out, especially when you walk into your bathroom and it's tile and you walk in there and your feet hit that and you're like, oh, all the way up my back. Right? It's just so much better, so much more comfortable to put on the blanket and to just be in that bed where it's warm, comfortable, and familiar, isn't it? But you know what this blanket represents today for us is the guilt and shame and sin that we carry. And here's, here's, here's the problem is so many people, even Christians, is that we ask Christ to come alive because we want to go to heaven, but we don't take the blanket off. And so the robe of righteousness just isn't working in our life like it should. We still carry the guilt and shame and it begins to dig and grow into our heart and our soul and it begins to change our perspective and our personality 
Anybody ever know some Christians that look like they've been sucking on lemons? Right? I mean, they're just, you know, they're just kind of mean for some reason. They're still carrying the guilt of their own heaviness in their life. And it takes, it takes a step of faith, just like it did Peter to get out of the boat and just like some of the other stories. about. It takes a step of faith for someone to say, you know what, I'm gonna leave the known in the warmth of my bed and I'm gonna leave that to get started with my day. And so I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take that step of it. I'm gonna get going with my day. And then the robe of righteousness gets placed upon us. We become the righteousness of God. And now all of a sudden, the load is lifted. And all of a sudden, I'm free and I can live and I can breathe. But here's what happens. And I've seen this as a pastor for over 32 years. Here's what people do. They're like, well, let me go pick this back up. You know, I really am not that good of a person. I really tell some white lies. I really cheat on my time. I, I, I borrow, I borrow stuff permanently from work and (laughs) and so they pick it back up. Even if they're not engaging in active sin, they still come back and pick this up and it becomes a weight instead of walking in freedom. And so let me just ask you today, and I'm gonna ask the musicians to come, but let me just ask you today. Are you ready to get rid of the weight and walk in freedom? There's a song that, that's out called Grace Like a Wave. It's in your notes, but I just wanna read a, a little bit of it. But you have brought me to the water where my past can be swept away. Remember, completely gone, forever gone, never to be remembered anymore. In the currency of your mercy. Remember, we received that mercy we talked about. We, we, the current of your mercy. And I know I'll never, ever be the same. There's no limit to your promise. Jesus, you've done it all. There's no limit to your promise. Where sin abounds, grace is that much more abound. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what your past is. There is no sin that you've committed that Jesus cannot forgive you. Come on. You say, you don't know my life. I don't need to know your life. Grace is greater than sin. Paul made it clear where sin abounds. Grace is that much more about. There's more grace in this room for you than, than anything you've ever done in your life that was against God. You remember Saul of Tarsus who murdered Christians. There is more grace. He said the current of your mercy. It'll, I know I'll never be the same. There's no limit to your promise. Jesus, you've done it all for me. You've done it all for me. For grace comes like a wave crashing over me. Grace comes like a wave crashing over and over and over. Look at the next line. It says, I will jump into the water where my soul can be satisfied. Where your love is overflowing from within me and it won't run dry. That's life. And if you're ready to get out of the comfortable, if you're ready to put down the shame, if you're ready to put down the fear, if you're ready to put down sin, say yes to a God who forgives completely because it's his nature, his character to forgive, who's already sent the sacrifice for you. If that's you this morning, if you're here and you're ready to step out, take that one step of faith this morning. And yes, it may feel like stepping on a cold tile in the morning. 
tell you there's no other way. Because the Bible says there's no way to please God than it by faith, but yet God has given every one of you a measure, a measure of faith. He even gave you what you needed to receive salvation. So as heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's looking around, you're here this morning, you need the new mercies of God, you need the forgiveness of God. You need those sins to be thrown as far as the east is from the west. Maybe you need to come back to God and you've been running from God or you haven't been serving God, but now you're here and it's a new day. Friend, I'm speaking with you and you're online and you're here. I wanna ask you to stop what you're doing and listen, this could be a, a sacred moment, a God moment for you where you say yes to Jesus. It's all over this building, online, every one of you. When I count to three, I want you to put your hand up and say, I want Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sin. I want to ask Christ into my life. One, two, without hesitation right now. Come on. Three, put it up all over this place. Yeah, hands are going up, hands are going up, hands are going up, hands are going up all over. In the balcony, I'm looking. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Online, stop what you're doing. Raise your hand. It's a sign of surrender to God. Keep it up and say this prayer with me. Would you just keep it up high? Don't be ashamed. Keep it up and say, dear Jesus, come on, every one of us, dear Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life. I confess that I'm a sinner. I receive your grace. I receive your mercy. I receive your love and your forgiveness. Thank you for sending Jesus to me. I'm asking you help me to live for you all the days of my life. I repent of my sin in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us today. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like to further connect with us here at Faith Chapel, visit us online at faithchapelsd.com or any social media platform at faithchapelsd. See you real soon.